Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the uh, Comic Pod. We are here to talk about Batman Begins. If this pod is strange at any given moment and we start either speed talking or getting very weird senses of deja vu, it's because we did record this two weeks ago and it failed. So we lost a perfectly good, if not great, podcast. So it might be a little bit strange for us, but we're hoping we can repeat the fine things we said about this film um it's just me and Stu tonight how are you doing mate yeah yeah i'm good um I'm, i didn't actually realize it had been two friggin weeks i think so i i i, I know my calendar based on my illnesses at the minute which is a really <laughs> sad fucking thing to say but i was just laid up with tonsillitis last week so i couldn't talk last uh, yeah. week so so yeah i, well, I, I do know been an interesting it's been a while one. yeah it would have just been you talking and me Eating soup, soup and making, you know, grunting noises, perhaps the odd cough, maybe. Um, it wouldn't have been really particularly specific effective. Porn. Well, yeah, it, yeah, it's you do, quite you hard. Do say there's you... porn out there for pretty much everything. <laughs> you never know. Maybe this is how we make our millions. This is how we make our Comic Con money. Is it? Is this what it is? <laughs> it's basically pimping me out as some kind of weird medical. Medi- medical porn, yeah, could go for that. Yeah, it's like yeah, AR, it's, but without the budget. It certainly doesn't have the budget. No, we certainly have no budget. Otherwise, I think we, we wouldn't spend get it up, haven't we? The call recorder going. Yeah, the call recorder going. Your uh, growing comic book collection, and my children essentially kill our budget for you know. I think Lego sets are my potential downfall soon. There's a new Batman Lego set which is just ridiculously cool. Which you're not is buying the Millennium Falcon one that costs like 700 I, quid. I don't have the budget for a, a 7,000 piece Millennium Falcon as much as I'd love to. Um, You'd have it's to absolutely sell massive. Yeah, I'd have to sell one or at least a part of one, maybe. Maybe, um, a, maybe a kidney. Yeah, I could probably I could probably lose a kidney. Um I don't think I've got much longer to live anyway, the way I'm going. No, the way so, you're yeah. going to die of tonsillitis. 
Yeah, <laughs> the might, first man to It die might be the first recorded history, the first recorded since at least the Victorian <laughs> times when their idea of fixing things was pretty much cut it off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we can't cut your head off because otherwise it's just going to be me talking, and literally nobody wants that, including me. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone wants that. No, it, it's it's not something. Imagine a solo podcast on, oh on this channel. It'd just be ridiculous. Um, I wasn't going to do any news, but I'm kind of. There's been quite a lot. We we did this two weeks ago, but obviously things have changed yeah. somewhat. Um, there is a few cool things coming out because it's kind of the year again. Um, so Walking Dead is is ramping up towards its its return. Not many people are that asked. It would seem. I think people are a little bit over. It, it's kind um, of fallen away, hasn't it? I think it's been overshadowed massively this time by Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think Game of Thrones has just kicked everyone's ass now, and, and all everyone cares about is when Game of Thrones is coming back. Well, what's happening with directors and production and everything yeah, else? Which segues nicely to what I was saying before to our little Game of Thrones group. Um, yeah. For anyone that's not seen it, they've announced. I know this isn't comic related, but fuck. Ah, who cares? Bother. Fuck off. Um, they've announced that season eight, they start actual production in about two weeks, six episodes. The budget per episode is $15 million. <laughs> which, which for is, TV is just astonishing. It's crazy. For something that short, um, and they've pulled back all of the big directors. Um, the direct, what, the first guy they did, I'm he not going to remember any names. Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. yeah, he did Hard Home, Battle of the Bastards, and one other big set piece. I don't know his director. He's, he's clearly the big action piece he's, director. So yeah. the war fighting, you know, that kind and of thing. And then the other guy was the one that was responsible for pretty much every single grain of detail and the direction of the Red Wedding. So the yeah, first guy that did Red Hard Wedding, Home, yeah. he's getting two. So he's getting a third of the season. Then uh, the Red Wedding guy's getting at least one. So that's already half the season's directors accounted for. Yeah, and they're clearly big hitters. So um, it's not going to be... I mean, they'll be heavy on narrative because it's Game of Thrones, but I think you were expecting... Um, two i'd say two giant episodes of action i would yeah. imagine in this and they, they um, did actually confirm as well for anyone that hadn't heard the reason that the dire wolves weren't in the last season was down to budget it was either wolves or dragons and the dragons were obviously integral to the um to the story so they couldn't get away from it so yeah. they had absolutely zero choice whereas now i think last season was around 12 million an episode so they're throwing an extra few million an episode that's potentially the difference between direwolves and no direwolves. Um, I'm sure that, yeah, or, I'm or sure. that could be, you know, one dragon in the sky at a time compared to maybe two or three. It's just so. going to be, it's just going to be significant. I, I think what Game of Thrones likes to do, obviously, it plays a lot with CG, um, but I think they'd like to throw a lot of extras in terms of the horses and the number of extras and things That's like what that. The video and you've got watching. to consider armor. You've got to consider. Um, uh, you know all of all of the elements that come across with that, and and all of the weaponry, and all of the, I don't know. Um, well, there's just a, every, there's a brilliant behind the scenes video of the Battle of the Bastards, and that's what it is. Those two things you just mentioned. It's the extras mm-hmm. and the horses. 
yeah, horse. Yeah, yeah, I remember saying 2000, I think 2000 extras on that and 2000 horses or something. And then um, all the CG because they have to turn 2000 into 20,000. So. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But the more they can do, which seems in the more realistic element of things, um, yeah, the better for them. So, so yeah, that's going to be big. It's going to be huge next year. Um, DC TV's pretty much about to kick off is it next week or week after something yeah like that? that's coming soon um really soon um and i'm not sure yeah the other bit patty jenkins officially confirmed for wonder woman soon. yeah she's getting eight million dollars mm. which is the largest sum of money ever given to a female director um wow. so, so pretty groundbreaking stuff really um and, and good for her because absolutely it's about time in in the industry that i think she's one of the first females to direct a sequel as well that you know did the original really um, See, doesn't that just sound really pathetic something as i know i wish i didn't have to say things like that you know what i mean it's it just it's just a it's quite a male dominated industry clearly of course and, it is it's like 90 um, something percent of it is just dicks yeah yeah, and it's it's just I think it's positive because obviously they did such a great job on on the first film, um, and it's the continuity side, isn't it? She she's got a vision, like we say with like the Russo brothers and and stuff. She's got yeah. a vision of what she wants to do, presumably over two, three, four, five, however many movies she thinks she's gonna get. So just being able to say to her, right, that's part one done. How do you move it on? What happened next? I think it leads quite well into Nolan, actually, if we're going to segue. That was the smoothest segue I've done in a while. Um, but Nolan being, you know, talking about continuity, we're talking about um, the original of the, the Batman trilogy. So, you know, if we're hoping that films like, I don't know, the, the next Marvel releases, you know, the, the trilogy from James Gunn on Guardians and, yeah. and, and Wonder Woman trilogy that's going to, you know, we, we want, I think everyone wants that continuity. And sometimes it's nice to have a new director come in because I think we'll see that with Ragnarok. Um, but, but a new not director mid. with a completely different spin. You know, although Ragnarok as well, you know, the previous two Thor films have been directed by different people anyway. That, the problem no, with the no Thor film, as we, as we well know, um, is that because they weren't very good, it makes it a lot easier to replace the directors because the bar has been set so mind-numbingly low you just you scrap it and go this didn't work let's try again and i think the 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 thor films as a a general rule don't really fit within the mcu i I think you not in the same way they haven't had really much continuity storyline anyway the only continuity has been really the people hasn't it like jane foster yeah it's not like the story like like guardians had Thread well, Guardians is almost from a straight follow-on. You know, it's it's just after the it's next like what, one finished. It's about six you know. months after it, isn't it? Whereas Thor was... I, I think it's less than that. Just yeah, an it's... indeterminate amount of time later with pretty much no continuity other than the Earth-based characters. But then what they were being used for was so different. It's just... Yeah, like you say, it's easy to just rip the bandage off and go, right, didn't work, let's try and make it work. That didn't yeah. work, let's try and make it work again. And now it at least looks like they've got the the basics of a bloody good Thor film, and there's there's a hell of a lot of positive feeling out there about it. Yeah, it's it's somewhat being overshadowed. So the sequel to Blade Runner coming out in the next next week, I think, in the UK, really? next oh, Thursday. I had no um, idea when it was out. Yeah, so that's getting a lot of the 
mega press, and I, I, it's understandable. It's a big guy oh, release. What is it? Um, Thirty something years between. Thirty-five years now, I think. Yeah. And that's got the continuity because one of the main characters is back in it, isn't he? Well, yeah, I, yeah, it does. Um, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the original. I'm doing a podcast about it, which is somewhere we should do at the end. But fuck it, I'm doing a podcast recording tomorrow night um, with Joe Simpson and Trev Downey on the original Blade Runner on movie night. So I watched it a couple of months ago, and it's just it I still makes it, me head hurt, but. It, it has those moments, but I think for a film that was made in 1982, the visuals are just mind-blowing. Oh, it's, it's not dated I, I, at all. I, I can't get my head around that. I honestly can't that a film made that's older than me, <laughs> same age as you, give or take, is 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 that visually impressive. You know, it dates because, better than me. Yeah, yeah in, it I'm certainly dates better worse, than me. I'm, I'm in much worse condition than Blade Runner. Yeah, it, it, you know, and that's the thing. So at the minute, the UK press is all hot on, you know, and the international press collider and everyone kind of doing their buzz around Blade Runner. So I think you'll get Ragnarok buzz in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm sure the pre-screenings will happen and everyone will be quite excited. Ooh, um, you just mentioned the key word, pre-screenings. There mm-hmm. were actually some advanced screenings of Justice League. Was there really already? Yes. And When's Justice League out? Mid-November? Um yeah, I think it's second. I've, I've got like the 11th. Are they trying to get early screenings in to rechange the film again? <laughs> I, I think what they're doing is, I think they're doing it to try and stem the tide of, of negative press that they get. And I must admit, you've obviously got to take these things with a pinch of salt because you don't know who's a real fan and who's a... No, yeah, there is a bit of that, yeah. But the it's been a very, very positive response. Some of the things I've read in this one did sound like a plant somebody saying oh i absolutely hated batman versus superman but this was brilliant this was this that and the other it sounds way too like perfect yeah either that that was really good and they've gone well would you mind reading this out instead and you go oh okay uh, i've said to you before and we've discussed this before i do find it quite astonishing that i've watched two you know the two main trailers and one of them i read what, what i saw it I don't know which film I was watching at the cinema, but it was it was on at the IMAX and it was it was before the film and I loved it. I thought this looks amazing at, in the IMAX and it looks great. And then the extended trailer really pissed me off because I, I just I, I just found too much wrong with it. And I, I know sometimes you go looking for this and I, we've had this argument, so it's not going to happen. But um, it is difficult with that film because I, I do think it is going to split opinions down the middle. I don't think people are going to. I think some people are already pre-judgment, and I oh, think yeah. I've got that because Zack Schneider just does that to me. I can't help it. And in you terms won't of, be you the know, only one who's going in already, going, "Well, this is going to be a five out of ten. And then it's hard well, because then yeah. if it isn't an absolute monumental blockbuster, people come out disappointed. Well, actually, if you look back to Batman vs Superman, I came out more positive than I expected to. Yeah, but that's because like, you literally expected it to just be. For two hours, literally a massive shit on. The I screen. expected it to be the emoji movie. My <laughs> levels of expectation were like the the ten out of you know the ten percent, you know the one out of ten kind of emoji movie levels. And and I came out going, actually, that's probably a six or a seven, and that surprised me. Um, but then actually, subsequently, everyone else is just keeps bashing it, and it just keeps knocking my feelings towards it because no one ever points out the good elements of that film. Um, 
And it's the same anytime you look back at any of these films, you know, the, the Superman film that was released a few years ago, even if it's good up until that ending, that ending just kills any hope, doesn't it? Oh, so man it's of steel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's difficult. It's difficult. But you know, there is I'm hoping they get it right and I'm hoping it's not as I think two or three will shine in it, um, particularly Wonder Woman. Um I'm just, you know, I, I want to see everyone's heart in it. That's that's the major thing, isn't it? You you really want to see everyone pulling in the right direction and not just there for the paychecks a little bit because sometimes these films lean in that direction. Um, I think that's about everything, unless there's anything else you want to wrap on the news front. It's been it's good times at the minute. It's about to get good again, which is what we need in this realm of things because yeah. generally these things cheer me and you up no end because there's some good tv and good films and punisher all rumored to be mid-october as well actually yeah they're still being really sketchy on the date really yeah it's really strange with that actually um because they've normally been very forthcoming about dates but i I just i think it's their marketing approach on this one is a little bit different um i wrote a tweet about i'm hoping it'll be redemption for the defenders because that's really not gone down very well um in there and some people are like oh well netflix don't care i'm like yeah but they do care because ultimately ratings and their independence and what they produce themselves is what what makes them more money it's what grows them as a as a product and and you know and it's they, what they, guarantees them their next show exactly if, if, if every yeah, time exactly. you have a good show you you strengthen your your position at the bargaining table don't you if you have a bit of a stinker as soon as you go up to sort of negotiate the next one, which is going to be what Jessica Jones. Two, well, Jessica or, Jones is already, already happening. Um, but yeah, next it, it Daredevil, it, whatever it is, it makes yeah. it a little bit harder because they go, well, we gave you, you know, X million for the defenders and it wasn't that good. So we're going to have to claw yeah. a few million back off you. And everything you read about the defenders, you know, it was just rushed because they were trying to film it between, uh, schedules of, of getting it done so they could do Jessica Jones and getting it done so they could do, you know, uh, Next Daredevil or or whatever it was, Luke Cage or. And something, like you said, you they, they shot it before Iron Fist as well, so it was it was all out of sequence. Which I know it just it just sounded it felt too rushed because we said it was just too short. It needed two extra episodes um, when we discussed it at the time, and and hopefully I think this will be a big release for them. Punisher feels like I think they're more comfortable for me when they're in a kind of not origin, but they're in that early development of a character kind of arc. It feels like that's where they know where to take it. And, it, and it's easier to, to do with him because he's a human. He's got yeah. no, no abilities to explain it. It's going to be no, it's got a lot of guns and a lot no, of anger. no mystic stuff. So there's going to be a lot less CG in it. There's going to be a hell of a lot more. I, th- I think we work. need a lot less CG as well. And I, a, I think a that's lot more fight, a lot more hand to hand fighting as well. And it looks like a lot of it centers around, um, his time in the in the army, he was doing black ops and you know shit. Yeah, you give you give Burns all the script, he'll bring he'll bring all the raw energy, he'll bring all the intensity, he'll bring all the emotion. You just give him the lines to deliver, do you know what I mean? And then give him the violence on top of that. And you're in for a cracking show no matter what, really. So yeah, yeah I think it'll be a massive success for them. Um and yeah, I'll be looking forward to reviewing that when it comes out in the not so distant future i hope um so why we're really here um is to talk about batman begins um 
like I said early in the pod, this might be a little bit strange for us because we've had plans to do with this. We've, we've uh, already practiced a couple of times. We've basically done a whole run through on this. Um, we both adore this film. Um, we speak very and sadly of not it. not a lot of people tend to agree. Yeah, I think when we talked buried. about this before, this is what the conclusion we came to is that it it gets some nice praise. It gets some oh that was good and this element was good, but it doesn't get the praise that it deserves for being such a complete film. Really, yeah, especially when we we mentioned. I think we've mentioned on. Uh, possibly maybe on on a Batman pod in the past that everyone knows the first like 10% of Batman's origin story watching the film, comes out, parents get shot where, 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 turns back up at what, 25? Bats, lots of scary bats at one stage or another falling down a well or something He he comes back at 25 well, where the fuck's he been? How can he fight like that? Where did he get the ideas? Where did he get the gadgets from? Blah, blah, blah and the best thing about this is it goes through and it fills in all of those gaps so you can now fill in the blanks of the day that his parents get shot to the first night he goes out um, in Gotham and, and actually takes up the mantle of, of the Batman, which is covered brilliantly on a little side note in um, Batman Year One, both the, the comic and they made an animated film of it about five years ago or something. So if anyone wants to see that, it depicts basically Batman's first night and how terrible it goes and then how he adapts his game and what have you. But this just does a brilliant way of... Uh, it goes a really long way of filling all those gaps in. Because a lot of it people doesn't don't do any, know It that. doesn't take any half measures, you know. That's the thing about it. It's, I mean, the conclusion is that it is an incredible origin story. It is. It, it's, it's, to me, it's a perfect telling of Batman's origin because it does do the beginning bit. It does do the parents dying, but then it does arguably the more important stuff because you get, you know, the the fuse is lit, isn't it, when his parents die? But there's a it's hell the of a psychological elements go. of it that you get that from Bale and you get that from from Neeson in in all the sections when they're in in the you know Tibetan monasteries or you know in that that and in, in, in prison out there and those kind of things. You you see a side of Bruce and no one's ever seen before nope. and you and you see that kind of I don't know real telling of, of what in 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 the eyes of the comic book writer and what would have happened Do you know what I mean it's it's a much grittier story it's a much more real story than I think everyone was used to we you know when we previously spoke about this I think that the big thing for us is obviously all the fight scenes in those elements and, and all that scenery and background and incredible cinematography that they bring to it. But it's all done with a sense of realism. So this film is 12 years old and it doesn't feel a day old. Do you no. know what I mean? We, you know, you, you don't look at the CG in these films and, and we, you know, Spider-Man, the, the early Spider-Man's, look insanely outdated now they're so um, rubbery aren't they the 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 animation's not human there's no way a a person with a skeleton could move the way spider-man does but that that's one thing that we like about batman isn't it because it's not dependent on cg it's dependent on choreography and the choreography in the fight scenes of which there are many the fight scenes are brilliant and that's what we like we like comic films that are like action films and we like good fights you know, it's nice to have CG with people flying around and using powers, but at the end of the day, you just want to see two people wailing on each other. 
Yeah, I read I read earlier in the year that obviously there was a big talk about and this little bit of a side note, but a bit of talk about Nolan directing a Bond film. Um, oh, okay. It's not going to happen um, because I don't think they'd ever give him full license to do it. In his, you know, he's a, he's a guy that directs, he, he writes, he produces, he does the full full. He pretty much production. does everything by the costumes, doesn't he? Yeah, he probably does. He's probably got a sewer. He's got a sewing machine at home. He's there 24 hours no, a day. No, 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 you're not doing it right. Let me fucking do it. He's there so He's, he's a bit of a control freak by all all accounts. And from my perspective, he he would have made an incredible Bond film because it would have been really gritty and really real oh, it would have been and really dark. But a lot of people said, well, he's already made that. And I was like, well, not really. And they're saying, well, look at his Batman trilogy because although it's it's in the, the guise of Batman. He's still telling the story like it's a Bond film. Do you know what I mean? And I, I kind of looked at it a different light and went, yeah, I, I kind of don't agree entirely, but I can see exactly where people are coming from with that because these films are not just your typical comic book film. And I mean, all the films we tend to talk about, I think we, we tend to choose films that aren't your atypical popcorn film do you know what i mean i think most of these films have advanced beyond that um some of them are light-hearted and you can just go and have a great time and you know that's what guardians is it's good escapism and ant-man and things like that um but when they're really real when they you know uh, the action's real the way they're shot and it's all reliant on the script and the actors that's when it elevates the film a above just it being on a label of a comic book film or an action film it's just it's a great film and i think what nolan films deliver maybe bar the third one because there's a lot of criticism around that um which i think is harsh but i think we said we might come back and discuss we've done the dark knight obviously it's why we eventually made this pod um because we discussed the dark knight Probably two years ago now, um, on the movie night with Joe Simpson. And... For it, yeah, it was round. It was round, sort of September, October. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So that's probably two years ago now, and it was the main inspiration for why we do this podcast. Um, so you've got him to just... blame. Yeah, exactly. So anyone listening, if they want to blame anyone, it's not hashtag blame Marco. It's blame Joe Simpson today. Yeah. Um, because yeah, we basically went. Oh, this is fun. Let's do this again, and then and then started it all from here, really. Um, and the reason we talked about the Dark Knight such passionately and strongly at the time is because we, I don't know, we just loved it, man. It's such an incredible film. Um, and the Dark Knight Rises doesn't get that kind of praise, you know. And it's got some Which great elements to it. Which I think is mad. I, I can't believe it doesn't get the same level of praise. I think. I think it, Dark Knight is elevated above. In terms of the Joker and and Heath Ledger's performance, yeah. and and it's a great film. It it is an incredible film because it it feels like this is the origin story. That is the body of work. Do you know what I mean? That's the great middle of the work, and then the, and the, the final is like the conclusion to it all. I just think people are just a little bit hung up on a few elements. I think some people are a little bit hurt that it's never really gone on anywhere. And I think that's the the key thing because everyone wanted Nolan to basically go screw it. I'm not going to do anything other than Batman. But then, you know, when the guy's working on Dunkirk and Inception and Interstellar and everything else, you're not going to get a director who's not ambitious and wants to go on and do other things. And I think Bale's the same as an actor. But in these three films, they gave absolutely everything really and it deserves i think they all deserve 
infinite infinite amount of praise really and especially this film because it is it's almost the most complete of the three and that's quite a bold thing to say but i think it is no i I think that's fair comment yeah um we the one thing that a lot of people might have been surprised about was the villain choice going going straight in with with ra's al ghul and the League of Assassins, or the fucking League of Shadows, as they call it, which really pisses me off. I was going to call it the League of Gentlemen then, but that would have been very strange. That would have been that is like Nolan meets the Mighty Boosh. It would be quite an entertaining. Yeah, Liam Neeson leading the League of Gentlemen against Christian Bale's <laughs> Batman, directed by Kevin Nolan. Sorry, Christopher Nolan, not Kevin Nolan. That would be fucking weird. <laughs> That would be okay. I want to watch that film now. Oh yeah, let's make some calls and make it happen. That sounds incredible. Let's make that happen. Right. Okay. Well, there's there's my retirement fund sorted. That is you. Literally, you're made. That one idea, that accidental Freudian slip, and you've basically made your career. That that, that's my uh, my nest egg sorted. But yeah, um, (laughs) going for for Ra's al Ghul probably seemed a bit weird. It, It would have been safer to go right Batman film. Let's get the Joker in. Yeah. Or let, let's get the Riddler or the Penguin or Two-Face. People that we've seen done before, sometimes done really well, like Catwoman. Sometimes done okay. Like, I mean... The, the, are you, the original... you putting Penguin in that category or are you putting him a little bit above? Uh, no, yeah, pe- that's yeah. Penguin was very, Walken, very good. Christopher Walken did um, Two-Face, didn't he, back in the day? Um, did he do Two-Face or was he someone no, else? No, Tommy Lee Jones. Was it Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah, he was two fake. <sighs> Christopher Walken played. The, oh, he, he was just. He a, was the mayor. Oh, he was, wasn't he? He was just That's some nobody. Um, but they they took a bit of a gamble by going for a pretty unknown villain. But anyone that's read the comics will be a huge fan of of Ra's al Ghul because he's he's never the guy that holds the dagger, but he's the guy that sent the guy that's holding the dagger. You know, he's he, he's a, he's a smart manipulative kind of character you know he's yeah. and ultimately he's the mentor in all of this because he's he's trying to form bruce into into not the batman basically well, he, you know he, what he, I wants mean? He's him, trying to... he wants him to be in the comics he wants him to be his successor he because they did it's not something that they really talked about they didn't go into the lazarus pit and how raz is about no they don't year about old, which no. was good because that made them able to keep it more of an action film rather than going really comic about it yeah i think it would have been a, a strange choice to go into replenishing i, I don't think it would have been everything known. else i i think if they pushed back on him and said whoa whoa what are you doing where's the lazarus pit i think that would have been a big sticking point for him and could have seen him walk away because I, I don't think he would have wanted to be Well, he wrote silly. it, didn't he? You know, he wrote it. So ultimately they signed off on what they thought was a, a better, more, I think more accessible, you know, because we, we do, and it's interesting because we talk about this quite a lot now, that the series that are quite hard-hitting and quite, you know, so the, the Marvel Netflix stuff and, and elements of the Arrow and stuff, when they lose people is when they go a little bit too far in either the comic realm or, or in, the opposite in, in, when they go too the far away from the opposite the comics they've got to have that middle you've got ground to have the balance where yeah, it's comic-y to enough to be faithful but not comic-y not too comic-y that you lose the people no who don't and have this the film has money. it has all the kind of traits so it's got 
It's got the great Batmobile. Do you know what I mean? It's got the great armor. Oh, the it's got tumbler. Oh, the tumbler's incredible. It is incredible. It's it's just so. I don't know. I won't ever see a Batmobile in the same vision again. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's a lot, that of, kind a lot of, of the other Batmobiles tank. were quite flashy, and they looked more like sort of armored sports cars. This is just a tank. And it's it's, a, it's, a, it's a, it essentially is a tank. It's a more mobile tank yeah. that can just just suit you know uh, that kind of grittier, darker, edgier Batman. And I know I know the the realms we're moving into with that kind of no holds barred Batfleck approach to things is quite dark, and that's what they're trying to hit for now. But this it, it was a dark Batman. Do you know what I mean? The telling of it, the reality of it, it wasn't a film that really pulled any punches, you know, it's not all about, it's not gratuitous violence. It's not, you know, that kind of stuff, but the fear elements in this film are what kind of stood it apart. So obviously we talked about Raz, but you've also got, um, Scarecrow, Scarecrow who was which, done brilliantly by, uh, Killian yeah. Murphy. Killian Murphy is, is a Nolan favorite, um, along with, and I think we'll talk about Alfred, um, Michael Caine in a little while, but, he he likes to cast him quite a lot, and you can see why because every time you know Nolan gets to work with him, he just brings out the best in him, and he's got that kind of again a little bit like Liam Neeson. He's got that kind of double edge to him, you know. He's he's he can play the kind of innocent role, but secretly he's a he's a dirty schemer, and you can feel what he's doing and it's he he's just menacing at times and i think as the scarecrow it's a pretty nondescript you know as a villain goes scarecrow wouldn't be again one that you would automatically think of no. but this film is more about what's going on in your head rather than the power of the enemy do you know what i mean so it's a psychological battle that and certainly Bruce what's going on overcome. in bruce's head it, yeah, exactly. It's all about Bruce overcoming fears and the scarecrow with the hallucinogenic and everything else. It's, it's all about the fear factor and they bring that background so well in this film. And and he was used quite sparingly, which was good because he's quite, he's an over-the-top character. And he, he, could, he he's one of those that you could, you could overpower the character and say, right, well, you know, he's made this toxin that's, you know, it can't be cured or something, or, you know, it, it makes people so afraid that they die. But they didn't, they made it realistic to the point where Batman's so afraid, you know, it knocks him into a coma for two whole days and yeah. stuff like that. And it shows Batman's vulnerability, but then it shows his strength of will to overcome it. And then it gives him a, a, a bit of a hint of it shows his ingenuity and it shows his reliance on the supporting cast with people like Lucius Fox to get it manufactured. And then his compassion to get the the, the cure out there to um, Rachel and to Commissioner yeah. Gordon and Scarecrow was a very very inspired choice of character, very yeah. very inspired. But he wouldn't be he wouldn't be in my top ten Batman villains. Oh if, no! If, if you were to I, say to me name not. favorites, he wouldn't be in there. But that's not to say he's not a good villain. He was he was a good villain for this. This this film wouldn't have suited Penguin. Because oh, no. Penguin wouldn't have wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't have dovetailed so well alongside a control freak like. I, I think I think you look at Nolan as well, and I think he 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 would always work with the villains that are a little bit more little little I, bit left field, aren't they? Yeah, a little bit left field, but a little bit less comic book or 
cartoony elements. Do you know what I mean? And I know I know Batman's not heavy on that. You know, you look at Spider Man for more of those kind of villains at times. But if you if you you took a Mister Freeze or a Riddler or or a Penguin, I, I just can't quite see that in a in a Nolan film. To He's be gone honest. away from the camp ones, hasn't he? Yeah, really I, I I do think if he actually, I think he could have done a Riddler extremely well if he cast the right one. Yeah, um, that I think would have you, been could, you couldn't do that in the third film, having done the Joker in the second film. No, because they are they are quite similar in terms. They've got similarities in their approach to to things, you know, not not entirely, but you, you could see you couldn't quite see that. It, um, it would be um, a little bit like the criticism of the of the Flash show, wouldn't it, where they had three speeds to villains oh, Jesus. All in a row. they've got to change it up eventually yeah so yeah and ironically enough there's actually been a really good arc in the comics that's going on at the minute of uh, it's called the war of jokes and riddles and it's joker versus riddler in a roundabout way which has been really good that uh, sounds good but yeah, yeah Scare- scarecrow and and uh, the league of assassins was very very strange but very very well done and of course the casting on them What's not to yeah. talk about Liam Neeson, who at the time of recording has now officially confirmed that he's retired from action films. He thinks he's past it. I'd, I'd still I, I think, it. I, I, do you know what? If it's the right part, I'd still give him it. I, I think what he's been done is he's basically been used over and over and over in the same role after doing Taken. Um, and then remaking Taken twice. Which yeah, I, I refuse and then to watch other films on. which are essentially taken on a plane or taken on a boat or, you know, essentially yeah. any different form of transportation that you can stick him with. I, I'm glad he's not quite gone snakes on the plane, but he, he was probably leaning in the realm of doing ridiculous action films. Taken with Wolves, he does a weird film where he's in... Is that like that a in, crossover with Dances with Wolves? <laughs> it's, it's that lesser-known crossover, yeah. Um, Kevin Costner voices a wolf, and no, it's, it's I don't know, it's it's a... I can't remember what it's called, but it's one of those films that's in the oh yeah. I, 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 oh no, I'm thinking of the one on a plane where he, he played no. like an, um, an alcoholic yeah. air marshal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, the one. that film. So, oh, that was terrible but brilliant. Yeah, exactly. He basically does a lot of terrible but brilliant kind of action and he's films, and one that makes them brilliant as well. He's, yeah, he's the only one that makes him redeemable. But then he, he does things that surprise you. So I don't know if you've seen the Lego movie, the original one. Yeah. Um, I know we're not going to talk Lego Batman because you were a little bit disappointed. I was massively disappointed. might fall out about that. Well, I still love Will Arnett. I think Will Arnett's Batman is just is just genius. But I, I do think, I, I see what you mean. Um, although Michael Cera as well as Robin. Um, anyway, he... He voices the good cop, bad cop in the Lego Batman or the Lego film, um, Liam Neeson. And it's just like a stroke of absolute genius because he's just like perfect in this role. One minute he's doing his taken voice and the next minute he's this very camp, um, you know, Irish policeman. It's just (laughs) bizarre. And I kind of like that about actors when they just, he probably did that and went, I've kind of had enough with the action movies. Do you know what I mean? It's like, this yeah. is quite fun because it, it's hard for actors. They do get typecast a lot and there are actors out there that just tend to avoid that. So, you know, Christian Bale in particular is, is kind of a method actor. He's really out there. He's not known to being the most sociable, likable man in, in Hollywood. He's, but he's he known for things. being an absolute arsehole. Yeah, but he does things that push the boundaries. Do you know what I mean? So him and Nolan working together was just... 
the perfect kind of timing for both of them. Um, and you've got that with every other actor in this. I, you know, I think we could talk about Rachel, um, Katie Holmes as a maybe outlier in this. Because I, I really liked her. I'm I'm not a big fan of. No, I, I I liked her too. I just think maybe she's the one that. Well, because she didn't come back for the sequel, you think she's the one that maybe didn't quite fit. Yeah. But then you don't like Maggie Gyllenhaal either. She's on your list. No, I really don't like Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's just got one of those faces that just pisses me off, and I don't like her delivery. She always sounds really sarcastic, even when she's she, saying yeah. things. She's just got a tone that sounds really sarky, and I'm like. No, you, you're talking to Batman. Don't be sarcastic, or he'll put a batarang in your eye. Sadly, he didn't. He didn't. No, but you know, ultimately, she. The she joke's on her because she wasn't in the third one. <laughs> she certainly wasn't. Um, but everyone else in this, everyone else cast in this, is just pitch perfect. I mean. I think we talked when we previously recorded this about Michael Caine for at least 10 minutes, um, which we might not do now. But his delivery, especially in the entire trilogy, is just its just incredible, man. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a motion to the role. He is every inch the Alfred I kind of hoped we'd get. He, I mean, look, we can talk Gotham briefly if you want. What a weird telling of a, an Alfred. Yeah, they, <laughs> Gotham. A, Alfred you know. is the elderly advisor who patches up Batman. He is not the ex-military badass who likes shooting people. The, yes. Gotham have just got. I like Sean Pertwee. He's. I, I really like him. He's a really likable guy. The, the way they've written Alfred and tried to make him into the badass is just baffling. I I, I can't get on board with it one bit. And every no. time he's in a scene and he's doing anything other than, you know, fetching Master Bruce a fucking sandwich, I just want to punch him, which I won't do because he's always got a gun. What kind of I, butler it... has a gun? <laughs> I mean, I know Gotham's depicted as being this, you know, This, this Gotham, like, uh, we, we did, we talked about Gotham 1 and 2, and I've watched Series 3 because it came onto Netflix, and it keeps me engrossed, and I don't know how. It's fucking mental. It's absolutely batshit crazy. It jumps around from one story to the next within minutes. And it's just so, so out there. But it's a major broadcasting show and it's it's obviously popular. Um, and there's elements I like about it, but you, you really want the real Gotham. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the Gotham I wanted telling and, and the Alfred within that. It's it's the Batman trilogy by Nolan. It's yeah. that Gotham City is the one I dreamt of. Do you know what I mean? It's it's the one that looks and feels real. It doesn't feel like it's out of a comic book. And and the thing with is Batman and the comics is they're so dark and so edgy. And you, that's the image you get. It's almost that kind of... When we talked about Sin City a while back, you know, you really get that feel of what the city is like. Do you know what I mean? Because of how visually incredible it is. And that's obviously very heavy visuals. And it's the same with, you know, Hell's Kitchen when you're watching Daredevil yeah. and stuff. You, you get that impression and Harlem in, in, you know, Luke Cage. You know, I like things that take me to a place and I have a sense of familiarity. And, and Gotham has that, obviously, connotations with big American cities, you know, Boston, New York and, and the such. And you do feel like it's a, it's a city that is real, but then it's got that twist to it it's got that edge to it um 
And I think br- briefly before we go back to the characters, when we're talking about the scenes with Scarecrow and the, the big hallucinogenic and everything that went on there, that Gotham is incredible to me. You know what I mean? And, and the games have, have worked well with, with doing Arkham and doing Gotham. But when you see all those streets explosion, and, you know, and the smoke rising and just the fear inducing and all the hallucinogenic horses and all the scary stuff going on, that is, that is something that I don't think other directors could produce. It, I think that's it, it, what sets easily, it apart. Easily the best depiction of Gotham. Yeah. I mean, it, in fairness, there wasn't a, a very high sort of meter for it anyway, because... The other no, we we did like Tim Burton's Gotham, though. You know what I mean? It's got that kind of edgy element to it that's quite... has a bit of gravitas and a bit of drama and all that kind of stuff about it, but it doesn't... It's yeah, not then we know grittier. what happened, don't we, where it went all fucking stupid and steampunk and just... Yeah, I know. Yeah, it lost and everything it a little bit. neon and, oh, my God. Yeah, never used neon. It's it's not Blade Runner, as like we your said. your idea you know? of, like, street thugs is they're stood around with neon face paint riding really futuristic-looking motorbikes that are covered in neon lights and paint. You've fucked up Gotham. Gotham You've gone the wrong direction. Scary, not hilarious. Yeah. So, fuck them. Exactly. But this this is this is just... It's just bang on. Do you know what and I mean? It's definitely it, being shot in IMAX. It just looks absolutely perfect yeah I, I said that before i saw i didn't see this in imax i saw i saw um dark knight and dark knight rises yeah same. and the dark knight rises scene in hong kong is just one of the incredible scenes i've seen in imax before inceptions up there as well obviously nolan you know being nolan dunkirk's pretty high up there as well for me um but the Dark Knight, you know, and I'd imagine Batman Begins is the same. Yeah. It's those cityscapes, you know, and, and it's not just the cities. We talk about, you know, that incredible fight scene on the glacier, and that's real footage. Do you know what I mean? That's them on location yeah. in two, Iceland. Two people were actually fighting on a glacier. and I mean, how cool is that? It's just so, so, so... It's It's... You know, it's the vastness, isn't it? You stood there and you're going, "Oh my god, they are literally in the middle of frozen nowhere." Yeah, it, it, the, the contrast between that and the high-rise buildings of Gotham is just brilliant. And especially, yeah, not long before and after, then they've been in this really built-up little sort of backwards town halfway up the mountain, and then there isn't another soul for miles around them. It's just, and that's one of the best scenes in it. The one thing I liked about it. I love the fact that you have the um, oh I don't know what they're called the the blades that he has on the uh, the gauntlets. No, but they're yeah. And you see the first time he uses them when he traps Raz's um, sword in between the blades, and I like the fact that you know that that's where that seed came from. And when he starts designing the costume, he thinks ah these these might be handy, you know, if I ever need to block a sword or a a bat or something like that and it's just little bits that came in of there's a lot of connotations through the film you know if you watch this film and then kind of rewind it back or watch it again you 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 would watch you'd see all those elements that join up so well um so his suit and how that came about 
it's not when just he, the suit that's been lying it. around. It's you know, it's not just there out out of oh yeah, this will fit. It's it's all designed around what he's learned, you know, about his yeah. fighting style and how and he needs to be buttons. flexible and durable. And obviously, yeah, the, you know, the Batman element is not just about his physical strength or his his um, his ability to sneak up on people. It's his ability to get out of danger. You know, the the core thing in this, you know, with the signal of the bats, you know, when he he signals yeah. all that that noise and the bats come raining in. That's such a cool element on Arkham. I that, thought that, that was really, really cool. Did. That's one of the one of the most pivotal scenes in Batman Year One. Yeah, the, uh, the first time he does that when he he escapes, he, he's cornered by the GCPD in a building, and that's how he escapes. And they pretty much borrowed that scene, not not scene for scene, but they borrowed it at least sort of half, two thirds of that is borrowed from Year One, and it, it it's become pretty much an iconic thing of Batman is maybe not his use of bats but like you said, the way he he can transition from one place to another he can't just go oh shit I I need to get out of here it's got to be done quietly and theatrically and yeah, and if you've ever played any of the games, it's those kind of elements as well. Yeah, They're more stealth-based games, aren't they, than, the than hand-to-hand. Hugely stealth-based. You literally can't play the games at all if you haven't got some kind of a concept of, you know, Batman can't just run into a room and go, what's up, guys, I'm going to punch 14 of you in the face now. You need to pick people off quietly and get in their heads and freak them out. Yeah, and it does do, you know, the, the, those games are directly inspired by this work it's this style of batman um and there's one thing that, that, that the nolan films don't get credit for they they gave batman a resurgence because it was the first batman film in, yeah what was it 20 years no it wasn't that long it was only about 10 actually it was only about 10 um because yeah, the yeah, batman the last, forever came out yeah the last one was 97 so yeah i think you're talking about eight nine ten years yeah which for, for one of the most ever present characters you know, over like a 10, 15 year period. That's and there'd been nothing else either. You know, no. we're not just talking like there's been TV or there's been this or that. It's been dead. Do, Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah. And it's like, it's it's almost like, and they can't leave it alone with Superman and Spider-Man, obviously, but it's like Spider-Man ever disappearing for more than five years. It ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? As much as it sometimes needs to, you know, you can't, these, these major characters not just sell, films and and get audiences they they sell everything else that comes along with it do you know what i mean it's all related to comics oh, it's all related no to one more, merchandise more than than batman you know yeah. you, you walk into most sort of high street fashion shops you will find a batman something you know t-shirts pajamas lunch boxes all kinds yeah of man stuff. and that's and that's all just just intensified since since these Dark films and they, be same with really comics as well man i mean this would have turned a lot of people back onto comics yeah um it's, because it's, it's when i started getting that itch again all those years ago i started getting the itch because it really did get me into batman and it's got to the point now batman's now my favorite comic character taken over from from green lantern because over the last year i've read so much of it yeah but, and like it is said, i mean imagine the climate now imagine if there was nothing batman related for, for three years no gotham no films no animated films bear in mind they do a batman anime oh they do a lot of a lot of very good animated films as every well yeah 12 18 months 
if there was. I mean, an animated film released at the cinema, for God's sake. I mean, Killing Joke was released at the cinema, which which is kind of you know it was only momentarily it was out on minimum release, but Jesus Christ, that's pretty huge for an animated film of this nature. You know what I mean? Within a subcontext of of Batman and stuff, so you don't you don't get that. I mean, I don't think people the resurgence that this had on cinema as a whole is is massive do you know what i mean it's not just about comic book films this has shaped what we watch today at, as, at the cinema i mean nolan does that as a director he's he's reintroduced modern sci-fi onto different realms and levels and action films than than were there before um just like say the Bourne trilogy has done it with you know, revamping Bond into a modern style and, and yeah. Taken and all those films. You know, this Nolan trilogy is a big part of what we see in the cinemas today. And you get, you know, then it changes. You get people like James Gunn doing Guardians and then everyone goes, oh, shit, that works. Do you know what I mean? Let's do films that are a little bit quirky and, and off offbeat and, and that kind of relaunches another side of things and Deadpool will do the same. And it's all about evolution of, of cinema, but this is the film and the franchise that probably really kick-started comic book cinema to where it is now, which is the biggest grossing films in, in cinema on a year-to-year basis because you can talk Star Wars, obviously, and that's obviously another Disney franchise, but, Star but that's Wars only one film a year. Yeah. Exactly. And, and MCU alone is three films a year. You throw one or two DCs a year in there as well. And then all the TV and other elements that come along with it, yeah. it's just huge. And, and another thing it doesn't really get the credit for is the, the Nolan trilogy continued what the um, the Brian Singer uh, X-Men films had yeah. done and the Tobey Maguire um, Spider-Man films. They, they were the, the real sort of beginning of um, the, 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 the sort of current comic book climate anyway. But as you said, they, they started it off, but then Nolan really... They, they he, the he, he was the shot of adrenaline, you know? He, he was the one that showed them that they can be not just good films, but masterpieces. Because I don't know many people who wouldn't say that The Dark Knight is one of their favourite films. And I know people who you know, will just love a good rom-com or yeah. you know, horror films, but would happily sit there and say... You know, Dark Knight was incredible. It was amazing. It had this, that, and the other. It was brilliant. Oh, Heath Ledger was incredible. You know, but maybe yeah. My wife really likes these films, and she wouldn't rush to see a lot of the other comic book films. They'd normally be just out of her realms of you know either too comic book based, too. She doesn't really do fantasy and those elements of things. So, so for me, that's a big sign that it's more appealing to people that like the darker kind of action film. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. you straight up. It's just, it's not your conventional film you'd expect from a comic book background. And that's what set it apart really. And I mean, the characters were a big part of that because we've mentioned Bale, we've mentioned the villains and we momentarily mentioned Kane, who's, who's just supremely excellent in this. Um, but then you've got Morgan Freeman and then you've got, Gary Oldman as well. I mean, Gary Oldman is the coup for these films. Yeah. I mean, the other actors were were huge, and obviously Michael Caine has has been around forever. But Oldman's something else for me. He's just well, I we, don't know. We, he was we, just we perfect. Know we love Gary Oldman, and we love Liam Neeson, and we love Morgan Freeman, and everyone loves Michael Caine. So yeah. To, to get any one of those in would have yeah. been good, but to get all of them in and to get them depicted so well. 
and written so well and so faithfully to how they should be. You know, people people don't really understand how important Lucius Fox is before no. the, before these films because it, it's often been a criticism of Batman as an unrealistic character. You know, well, how does he just know how to do all these things? Well, as as you mentioned before, they they explained everything away. Well, where did the bat suit come from? Well, it was you know experimental military tech. That's pretty yeah. realistic because there will be companies around the world who have probably done along those lines of trying to make yeah. weaponry and, and suits for the military. And it's all the I, stuff I, that links into Iron Man and everything else as well, like advanced weaponry, you know, artificial intelligence. They'll get their hands on what they want to get their hands on. In, yeah. in, in realistic terms, there'll be suits and there'll be those kind of, you know, those suits that um, give people more strength and more, you know, sort of sci-fi depicts it all the time. There are things like that in production. It's just so expensive that it's not viable well, half the look, time. Look at the first example I can think of any suit like that, Alien. Yeah. You know, that, that was, if you want to sort of put everything down to its base level that was along the same lines because it turned Ripley into a fucking claw laden killing yeah this aliens yeah second one it's it's I love that I used to have a toy oh that, um, that's when one of the I most iconic scenes in film for me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's it's... up there with Bruce Willis in you know a dirty white vest <laughs> it's true it is true um, that is one of my memories as a as a child and, and and i wasn't probably even old enough to watch aliens do you know what i mean it's like i don't it's that think i'm and... old enough to watch aliens now it's the first two I, I watched alien covenant and i realized it was a, a sequel to prometheus after i'd got halfway into it and i was utterly utterly disappointed because i, I hated prometheus yeah I, I i'm still fuming about it actually i've been in a real sci-fi mode at the minute so you know inception i watched fifth element which is a cool bruce oh, willis film um, 10 years yeah it's just i i love chris tucker as ruby rod the, the radio host i just can't get yeah. enough of that um gary oldman's a villain in that as well it's cool um but it's it's there's some really good sci-fi films and stuff and i watched alien covenant and i was bitterly bitterly disappointed because you've got a great cast and you've got michael fassbender and it's just all this stuff but it's it's a sequel of prometheus and ridley scott has completely lost it in this element and i, I was chatting to someone online about it and it feels a little bit george lucas-esque where he just lost control of Star Wars, yeah. um, and it just feels like I mean Ridley. Ridley's like eighty, eighty one now. Really, and it's like yeah, he's he is in his eighties. Um, I think I, yeah, Clint Eastwood's in his eighties as well. It's amazing. My, my first thought still about going. that is, has potentially someone just basically gone? Well, this is going to make you fifty million dollars personally or something. I don't think so. I think he he's rich enough, man. I think he's doing it for the love of what he wants to come continue of his aliens you know of his dream of what it should be but they were talking about handing the reins over a little bit to to dennis Villeneuve, who's uh, who's doing blade runner so that was not going to happen um and ridley scott originally did blade runner all those years back or it going to neil blomkamp who did district nine and elysium and those kind of films which would make sense because he loves aliens and you know it's his kind of element of things um but you know you get these directors and and it is easy to get wrong because they get things in their head and they just get a little bit stuck in the same ideas and the same motions so when you get directors like nolan who are happy to just 
change it up every time. Do you know? So he's obviously got like sci-fi roots in there. He's made Interstellar. He's made Inception, and then he's made action films in these, and then those kind of thrillers, Memento, and stuff like that. And then he's gone off and made a World War Two drama, and it's yeah. like, you know, it's the just guy picking, clearly he's picking him off, isn't he? He's got he's, sci-fi. He's, he's done, picking him off. Action yeah. done. The next one is a rom-com. <laughs> and you know we'll be in like it Michael Caine will be in it ever made yeah um, Michael Caine and, and Killian Murphy in some kind of strange Killian, father-son relationship that I could see again I, I think you're on to one it sounds amazing <laughs> sounds amazing um, you're on fire at the minute I think you need to get writing some of these scripts I'm, now I'm writing um, down right now but I mean it is it's great when you get directors that really care about the subject matter and, and i think you, you can see that here that this film is made by a man who cares about batman do you know what i mean he cares about the character development he cares about the whole trilogy and where he's going to take the character because all of this is a is an origin story with a view of making a trilogy and i think it's rare because often nowadays you get people like Zack snyder who know he's going to make one film and then halfway through making that, he might sign on for another. But I think Warner Brothers fully trusted Nolan in the sense that, oh, yeah. you know, you're going to make an incredible trilogy and, and we're going to back you all the way. And it and does make such a difference. Well. He must have trusted them to say, right, you're not going to all of a sudden in 12 months turn around and say, right, well, we, we need to take such and such, you know, the writer that you wanted. Well, yeah. you know, we don't want them or whatever. And that was Yeah, you've got to trust. Such, imagine... Yeah how different it would have been if they'd got halfway through doing, you know, Batman Begins and then there was some kind of a problem that threatened the Dark Knight. It would have completely, it it would have, on its own, it's a good film. But what makes yeah. it a great film is, is the groundwork that it does for the two films that come after it. Yeah, and that, that's another, I mean, that's another topic in terms of debate. It's everyone going, well, when's the sequel ever been better than the original? And everyone will go, Dark Knight. Dark Knight, or they'll go Empire Strikes Back. Um, Obviously. And some might argue Back to the Future 2, that's wrong. Um, there's yeah, a few. Those people belong in homes. Indiana Jones, I would imagine, is second one Temple of Doom, which is the worst of the three, I think. Um, just that screaming woman throughout the whole bloody film. Um, and yeah, there's not many occasions, let's be honest. Aliens, some might argue over Alien. Um, it's a bold, bold, bold assumption for me. But there's a lot of films that just don't don't progress. Do you know what I mean? So the original film is the groundwork, but it's also the one that has the best writing. It has the best use of the actors. It you know gets the most out of the actors. Whereas this is a trilogy that really is always bound to be a trilogy. You know, and it's always developed in that way. And you're getting more out of the characters in each. You know, because Christian Bale's Batman develops, Michael Caine's Alfred just gets incredible, particularly in the third film, actually. I think he's the strongest part of it. Um, and it's the same with Gary Oldman. I don't think Morgan Gar- Freeman Gary gets... Gary Oldman, his... across across the three, yeah. I was just about to say when you were saying he gets better. Gary yeah. Oldman, for me, just... He's good in one, he's great in two, and he's just outstanding. He's just carrying that weight... And, in and the third it, film, a nice you know, progression because from uh, to go back to the animated films from um, Batman Year One, you see Commissioner Gordon when he's not, when he's Lieutenant Gordon, and that's yeah. what I really like in the films: the fact you actually see Gordon 
get his just desserts, he gets his rewards for all the incredible work that he does, but he in turn is cultivating that relationship with Batman, and he knows he's getting where he's getting because of his partnership with Batman, but he doesn't forget that, you know, he's not turning his back on him and trying to be all big. No. And he, he's brilliant, he's absolutely genius piece of casting. Yeah, he, he is a genius piece of casting, and I think he develops with the film, and I think you can see that a director like Nolan the longer he works for people and the more he works for people, and you've seen it when he recast Michael Caine in every film and Killian Murphy in, in many films and stuff, you can see that he just has that connection with actors and you I think he gets the most get, out of them. You know how to get out of them, don't you? It's similar with a lot of music It's that music. respect thing again, yeah. If, if, say, you look at, you know, you might do one album with a producer and you get on really well with them and they, they get you to go to a place where you're writing your best lyrics or whatever or you're performing so much better. When you yeah. need to record another album, you're going to go, well, do you remember What's-His-Face? He, he he worked really well. Like Rick Rubin is one of them. A lot of bands go back to Rick yeah. Rubin. And the, uh, the drummer from Bloody Garbage that worked with Nirvana, uh, Butch Vig, He's, he's he's known for being really good at drawing that out of people and you know it ha- i don't know how many films they've done together but if you've done more than maybe two or three films with someone you know the director yeah. is clearly getting the best out of the actor and the actor is clearly giving their best for the director so why would you not want to keep that going you know because it's going to make your job easier isn't it if you've got a cast yeah, that you know ultimately. you can trust then that's one less thing for you to worry about and again, yeah. that, that goes to the continuity. A lot of the same cast came back from film to film, so they already know, well, we know Lucius Fox is taken care of, we've got Gordon sorted, we've got Bruce sorted, we've got this, that and the other. So then you're just thinking about you know, filling gaps, right? Well, we need to think about the villain. We've had to recast Rachel Dawes because of whatever reason. I think it was Scientology-related. She probably had to go and be rebrainwashed or something because she started snapping out of it. But yeah, it, it it's nice. It must be nice from a director's point of view to just not have to worry about everything coming together at once. Yeah, exactly. I think fundamentally, what we take from this film is obviously we talked all about the action, all about the the actors, um, and all about the delivery. But ultimately, it's the script. Yeah, because script. this film oh. is pitch perfect on all levels with the script we talked but before about how it has that continuity in it but that wouldn't happen without the quality of the script you know because the script does it tells that origin story so successfully in the first kind of hour or so in the film that everything that follows that it's just all related back to what happened. You know, you've got Batman stealing, or, you know, you've got Bruce stealing on the streets and, and that's something you would never see. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or, or even think in your head. And, and they, they bring that back around because it's all about him, him not just being this spoiled rich kid, you know, and that's what the TV series doesn't get right on Gotham. You know, it, it doesn't get that balance right. And that's what a lot of things have failed to do with, 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 Bruce in particular, they don't they don't get that emotion out of him. They get the they get the anguish and the anger from what happened to his parents, but they don't get any of the development aspects of things. They don't get where his personality came from or where his fighting traits came from or where you know he really has those motives. The motives are deeper here than I've seen in any other Batman telling. And it really is just all about how well the narrative is and the script is and I just think that's what just laid the groundwork for the whole thing it's just 
incredible vision from a director that knew exactly what he wanted and basically got the best out of everyone involved in the process. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the, as I'm sure you could pretty much work out by now, we are you know mild fans of this. Uh, we we could just easily, just mild. We, yeah. we could easily do you know, a two or three hour bumper. I would love to be able to do like a panel, you know, get five or six people on and join the Nolan trilogy in its entirety because you cannot underestimate the impact that this film has had on comic films in general, probably on action films in general. There's one thing that we didn't mention. Nolan was, from my recollection, was the first director to really, truly embrace IMAX. And yeah, 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 yeah. he was the one to embrace the right kind of technology in cinema. And, and so at I, one point I think there was, there was three IMAX cameras in the world, weren't there? When, um, yeah. On Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises, he had two of them. So yeah. that, that goes to show, you know, some little level of how much, you know, he's he's willing to do to get his vision across. IMAX was still a bit of a gimmicky thing, I think it would be fair to say. And he took it and made it a bit more mainstream. And now, how many films do you see listings for where they have a 2D, a 3D, and an IMAX? Pretty much every superhero film that's been out since oh, yeah. then has an IMAX showing. And that's got to be largely in, you know, down to, to his vision of saying, well, the only way I can show you how big Gotham is, Hong Kong is, is to take it out and give you all that extra screen. And yeah. that's what everyone else does. Now when they're showing off New York and the Avengers, let's make it IMAX. If they need to show you something in England or you know somewhere else, put it in IMAX. Really get the you know the the scale. You know what I love about what he does with IMAX as well is it's not a gimmick in any way, shape, no, or form. No, it's I the, mean it's the vision. It's two it's two D IMAX as well. So there's a big difference for me that I've really started. I I usually watch films in three D. Um, when when they're superhero films so i watched i think doctor strange i watched in 2d which is the first in a while um but most of the other films i've seen in 3d at the imax and and often it's a bit too much of a hit on your senses because you don't often take the whole film in it's great fun experience don't get me wrong but i think 2d imax which nolan is the master of is just something else because that's about the scale do you know what i mean that's it's about you know, Dunkirk, the seats were reverberating with the noise. I remember it, it, you it, saying about the, yeah. during the, the flights. Yeah, it's all about the, the Spitfire scenes, which you've got Tom Hardy as a pilot in that, which is, yeah, again, it's Nolan elements and things. Um, and it, it's all about the sound and the, and the, the visuals and everything combined. It's it's a proper cinema going experience. There's certain films you regret not seeing at the cinema, um, which does happen from time to time. And I'm not I'm not a massive Interstellar fan. People adore that film from Nolan. I, I do need to rewatch it. But I think because I hadn't seen it at the cinema or seen it at the IMAX, I probably didn't get that visual hit that you really need from certain films. Like yeah. I think Dunkirk's probably 50% less viewing if you don't see it at the cinema and maybe even less percentage if you don't see it in an IMAX because it's all about that visual and all about that sound. And and that's what Nolan does. Um, he is giving you a proper cinema experience. Um, and that's why it's worth, you know, paying that bit extra if, if you can or, or traveling that bit further or making that effort because you're getting something pretty special and, you'll see so many films where you, you just get a, a, you know, 
a six out of ten, a seven out of ten, and that's great. But it's so good when you go and see a nine or a ten. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. you feel like you're getting something special. I feel like you're getting your money's worth out of it. Well, you do, you do, and and that's the whole point. And I mean, you're a guy that goes to the cinema two or three times, um, which is a lot for one film. Um, if I and- can, my my preferred way to do it is within the first week of it coming out IMAX, go to the the gallery in the print works in Manchester. Um, yeah. Then the second time, if it's something that needs to be watched in 3D, then maybe go and watch it in 3D. I, I, I don't really like 3D IMAX. I prefer to do IMAX and then 3D. I, th- I think I've gone that way now because the only film... I've talked about this film far too often, but Mad Max 3D IMAX was incredible, but they got the balance right. Mm, and I think which is hard. Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron... It's too much 3D IMAX for me. It was way, way too much. It just that scene in Sokovia at the end was just ridiculous, um, and you God, just yeah, couldn't that's follow. So frantic because there's bodies yeah, coming from everywhere. You just couldn't follow it, and it just became a little bit too much. Just too much, and I, and I think, like I said, the, the balance that Nolan gets on his films is just is unlike any other director. I'd say um, he just has that perfect understanding of what makes. A film tick and that's why everyone adores him so much you know um and and i think something we haven't touched on but we must is just the score because hans zimmer does this incredible score in all these films and i think he works on every single nolan film he's, he, he's, worked on he's very good at, at creating the tension isn't he it just creates very, very good and sets the mood. If, if you hear those strings or you hear that reverberation and noise which you get in Inception and you get in certain Dark Knight and stuff, you you know it just takes you straight there. You know, it's it's quite rare that they do that. And it's that building, 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 you know, tension of music. And I love it. It sets the pace. It sets the drama. Um, I've got a couple of the soundtracks and, and they're not, you, you know, you wouldn't normally think the standalone listens for, for score of that kind of, it's not your, your big grand things or it's not your, Tarantino soundtracks or whatever but they just sound incredible it does sound amazing and it really does set the feelings and the tone of, of an Nolan film and I, I don't think like I said the sound is everything with that and you're talking about effects sounds are incredible in these films as well sound effects and technicals all the technical elements of these films are just flawless but the, the real the soundtrack and the kick it has it's just quite a big big thing for me as well yeah are we happy? I think we're very happy. Very, because yeah. so far it doesn't look like the call recorder's fucked up, so I'm absolutely over the moon. With yeah, that. so am I, because we've recorded two, in my opinion, good pods, and it'd be a bloody big shame to not let these be listened to occasionally. Um, we'd love feedback on this, because, like I said, we love this film. Um, we really hope everyone else does. We, we know a lot of people that we, we respect hold this film in really high regard. Um and yeah, I just think any feedback, anything else you want us to discuss, it's good for us because we, we really do. I think this is what shows off our mutual love of comic book and cinema, really. I and mean, you, know, Nolan, you know what I would really like? It'd be really good if there's people who listen to this who go, bloody hell, I haven't watched Batman Begins for a few years. Yeah, and then go I want back. people to watch it. Because yeah. when I watched it a few weeks ago in the build-up to, to recording this, and I enjoyed it more 
than I have done at any other time in the past. And I've always enjoyed watching it because every time I watch it, I appreciate it a little bit more for all the extra things that it does. And hopefully, you know, a few people that are listening might get the same sort of kick out. Yeah, it's overshadowed by its sequel and it doesn't deserve to be. That's that's my truest statement, really. I think it deserves to get the praise for it being it, it such a good own. standalone film. I think Very it holds its own. Yeah, I, I genuinely do. Um, and I think there's some scenes in it and the way it's shot and, and that I love the first hour. I absolutely adore it. And we didn't even talk about Tom Wilkinson as, as Falcone and there's some great other cameos and other appearances in this film. I, I don't think anyone is badly cast. I think it's really well, well put together. Um, and so, yeah, hope everyone goes and revisits. We will be back quite soon. Um, I did next, briefly mention, yeah, I'm doing... going to be... Um ragnarok isn't it we'll have to do yeah ragnarok. preview ragnarok because that's coming out soon we're very very excited about that i think it'll be an incredible film um we need I'm to gonna find learn th- we need to find a thor person yeah we do i'm gonna learn to pronounce the director's name in this time for the next two I'm weeks not, before we because i'm that. pretty sure if i try i will offend someone uh, yeah, you will probably say something offensive in Maori and just piss off. And there's, re- there's much more easy ways for me to offend people. I don't need to try and pronounce people's names that are difficult. I could just say something really horrible. And I, yeah. I could offend a whole continent if I wanted to, but I'm trying please not don't. to. Yeah, please don't. It would be quite damaging to us if, if we offend any more people. Yeah. I think um, I think it's got to the point we've offended a lot. So. And what I'll do is as well, I'll speak to my co-nerd joey and see if he wants us to do a thor character profile pod because nice. we said we're, we're going to try doing them but i've got absolutely no frame of reference for it's, thor books yeah i've got like one I, what you said before i like really it. haven't had any any comic book reading of, of thor it's not i think it's great and i i do i think the way they depict it is amazing but i, I just haven't had any kind of exposure so yeah i will be a little bit um Maybe we can combine the two. We'll see what goes on. Yeah. Um, right. That's that. Yeah. I, I'm anything I'm plugging. I am on a Blade Runner podcast um, for the original, and I'm hoping everyone will go and see the sequel. It's, it's as good as we hope it's going to be. Um, so yeah, listen to that. And then yeah, I, I've not done much about football. No one wants to talk about football here, do we? We're we're, we're past that. In a oh, minute. fuck football. It's all about. It's all about games and it's all about Batman and, and video games. And, yeah, exactly. So yeah, take it easy, guys. We and girls, if there are any. Um, oh, there are. We have some nice faithful females who I want to get on the podcast as well, um, and they can be outpaid from us. It's not going to be hard, <laughs> is it? No, it's not going to be hard. Um, and yeah, that'd be cool as well. So thanks very much, guys, for tuning in. We will catch up with you in the next couple of weeks. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.